Western Teacher Live, talking about public education, unionism and much more. Hello and welcome to Western Teacher Live, the state school teachers union's podcast on all things public education. Uh, this episode is dedicated to TAFE issues and I'm delighted to welcome SSTUWA President Matt Jarman and TAFE organiser Ramona Matusas to talk about the negotiations to the 2023 TAFE Lecturers General Agreement and indeed the state of TAFE in WA. Uh, Matt, I think it's uh, fair to say that TAFE in WA plays an absolutely crucial part in public education and indeed in the state's economy. It's absolutely uh, true. I don't think really that probably highlights enough, uh, Bob, how critically important the skilled workforce is to the WA economy. We have uh, a state Labor government who is determined to maintain a budget surplus and therefore the skilled economy is critical to achieve that and of course to achieve that in turn. Quite obviously, you need to maintain uh, your TAFE lecturers who are fundamental to maintaining that skilled workforce. So this EBA will focus upon how we can attract and retain uh, lecturers to TAFE and make sure that that skilled economy can continue to support WA as it needs. And uh, Ramona, of course, back in the day, uh, not with, with great work by yourself, the TAFE committee and others, the uh, SSTUWA TAFE Works campaign, um, was really crucial in, in fighting against what were at the time ever increasing course fees and uh, a real lack of access to TAFE for people who needed it. Um, there have been a lot of reduced fees since WA Labor came into power and, and of course many courses being also fee free. Now that's good news in, in theory but does it cause problems for lecturers? Yeah look Bob it's really good news. We identified not long after they introduced uh, the increased fees that it was disadvantaged uh, key people in the community, particularly women, um, and numbers had begun to shrink in terms of enrolments. So uh, we really welcomed the decision to reduce fees, the whole range of low fee courses and of course the fee free ones. However, that has meant uh, large numbers are now flowing into TAFE, which is fantastic. Uh, But you've got to have lecturers, you've got to have facilities, you've got to have classrooms, laboratories, workshops, equipment, and uh, I think uh, more needs to be done to support the sector to meet that demand. It certainly does. I'm just going to pick up on something you mentioned there, because there is this perception of TAFE being, you know, bricklayers and uh, and the traditional trades, which of course now more and more are, 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 are attracting um, very successful female participants but there is also a large contingent of what you might call female traditional female industries nursing and early childhood education and people didn't really didn't get how important TAFE was in those areas. No and there are also areas Bob that are suffering from skill shortages out there in industry and community uh, uh, nursing um, Enrolled nursing is a key one, aged care, for example, but even community services, etc., all desperate for people to work in that sector. And uh, a good portion of what TAFE does is is actually that kind of training. And uh, Ramona, you mentioned uh, just then that the the pressures that have been put on on lecturers and across the board uh, in dealing with this most welcome increased demand. Uh, Matt, perhaps you'd like to uh, talk us through what's happening at the moment with the log of claims. How does that process work and and where are we at? And uh, it is the log of claims for 2023 for TAFE. 
Well, I think the first thing we should do is acknowledge the successful logger claims that our TAFE committee steered uh, with Ramona's support, of course, uh, through in the previous round. We have uh, Ramona leading negotiations with the government at the moment and coming from a school's background, I find some of the working conditions that our lecturers have to be quite unusual. For example, not having maximum class sizes and, and other uh, quality assurance issues around curriculum. These are part of the log as we go forward for this round of negotiations and uh, our TAFE committee has uh, gone through this log. It's taken a considerable amount of democratic decision making to get us to this point and it's now been served on the government and we've already had a couple of meetings to date. And that's uh, a crucial uh, part of the process, the, the actual negotiations getting underway. Um, tell us a little bit about the situation with wages and salaries, because there is, of course, the involvement of the Public Sector Alliance, um, which the uh, SSTUWA is part of. Yeah, the Public Sector Alliance has been part of our approach across uh, key public sector unions in WA for the last couple of years now. It was done as a reaction to the $1,000 a brick wall that public sector unions were confronted with when uh, the McGowan government wanted us to repair or wanted us to contribute to repairing the economy, which of course with uh, more than $12 billion in surplus over accumulated budgeters, budgets, we've certainly achieved. What we're looking for now within the public sector alliance and the teachers and, and TAFE lecturers are the first two agreements to go in this next round is 7% in the first year of a two-year agreement with 5% in the second year of that two-year year agreement and also uh, that the uplift clause be maintained and where there were relativities, that's uh, salary scales that were impacted by the cost of living uh, payments that were made in September in 2022, that those relativities or those increments be restored. So we have a lot of work to do with regards to wages uh, across public sector alliance, but uh, the TAFE and the schools agreement will be first. I'm pleased to know that the government is engaging. Our public sector uh, unions and uh, members of those unions were invited to effectively a town hall meeting uh, on Tuesday last week where the uh, treasurer of WA, Rita Safiotti, presented the economic forecast and, and predictions for the period going ahead. And what will happen now is a series of consultations one-on-one -on -one with our members uh, and that will include, of course, um, everybody from across our membership or representatives. And we will make those cost of living claims to government so that they can factor them in when they come out with their new set wages policy position. And, and that's good. And Ramona, of course, one of the things with lecturers at TAFE is they are experts in their particular fields, um, be it mining, be it childcare, be it nursing, um, and presumably with, with worker shortages um, across uh, and skill shortages across the economy, they're very attractive for, for private industry. So you're very much competing with the private sector when it comes to, to salaries. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, yes, Bob, we are. Uh, the wages out there uh, across the board are very attractive to our members. And whilst they're dedicated to the work that they do, they really want to give back to their industry. They want to train a whole new generation of people to uh, to get out of the industry what they were able to. But at the end of the day, they're still paying the bills. They've still got rising mortgages thanks to the increases in uh, interest rates, um, etc. So uh, for them, uh, money is really important. And I think they've reflected on the wage caps over a considerable period of time now. And uh, and 
are looking to the uh, p- private sector because they're offering something much, much greater. And a lot of people can work less hours, get the same money or even more and, and have far less stress. So it's certainly something for the employers to think about. Matt, uh, coming back to you for a second, um, the uh, log of claims process, it tends to be divided, the asks that the union makes in this process, into a number of sections. So let's um, start with workload, hours of work and overtime, or well, Sarah Mona may chip in uh, as she feels fit. What, what are you seeing as some of the key areas there? Well, as I initially mentioned, the, the sound class size maximums, uh, for, for my mind, coming from a, from a school's background, I, I find that really difficult to understand how that's not something that uh, government can't understand. I've heard from TAFE students themselves their frustration at waiting at long periods of time for their work to be assessed because they've got 60 or so students in those groups and then uh, that's just simply delaying and it's adding to how the students feel about attending. So we have a lot to repair. We have uh, teaching hours for qualification and unit of competency development work which refers to the quality assurance that I, that I made mention of before. Supervising and providing support to lecturers. We do that in schools. We need to be doing that as much as we possibly can, not only for the health and wellbeing and retention of our uh, of our uh, lecturers, but also to make sure that our lecturers are getting the job satisfaction that they would like to achieve, and that is doing the job that they can to the, to the standard and level that they would like to be able to do so. Uh, the workload on our lecturers, and it seems to me the further away you get from the Swan River, the more it becomes, is, is really very significant. We have a lecturer shortage in uh, big regional areas of WA, and as a consequence of that, we're asking more lecturers in those regional areas to do more with uh, less resource. So we have a lot of work to do through the CBA. And uh, I just mentioned too, you did mention schools in Parson there, Ramona. I think something that's sometimes missed, uh, even by people within the education sector itself, is these TAFE lecturers are not only in what we consider TAFEs, the buildings and those sorts of things, but also doing a lot of vocational training work in schools. Yes, in schools, and uh, they also have a large number of students out in industry and they visit them in industry to uh, help educate and assess. So it's quite a varied role. It's... um, A good portion of it is done face-to-face in classrooms, laboratories and workshops, but uh, a a growing, well, I don't know about a growing, but another portion of it is done in schools and out in industry. And, of course, that seems to be something, Matt, that the government is leaning more and more towards, this ability to give people uh, alternative pathways within school, which will lead them to, to qualification and help industry by turning them out ready for work. Yeah, well, I always consider TAFE to be a um, a goal for students to to aim towards. We have a lot of smart kids who are choosing to enrol in TAFE, and we always have had. We have a lot of very successful West Australians with a TAFE qualification. We've got a lot of successful West Australians who go back to TAFE to to beef up their qualifications or even to retrain. We need to value TAFE as being a destination. It is fundamental to the economy, as we said initially, and it is it is fundamental for the government to achieve what it wishes to achieve. Valuing TAFE is part of what this EBA seeks to achieve as well. And I think that's a, a really important process. And of course, the other thing, both for teachers but, but for lecturers too, is job security. And Ramona, there's a specific couple of uh, asks in the agreement around job security. Yeah, we have a system currently where lecturers are still having to argue for permanency. Uh, A number of colleges are becoming quite good at doing the rounds of permanency uh, every year, which has uh, we've fought for for years, and I'm very thankful that we're finally getting those conversions happening. Uh, But there's pockets where it's not happening effectively, and we've got to get that uh, moving. But 
The culture has not changed. There's still an assumption that people come in uh, as a casual on a fixed term contract and then sometime in the future get permanent positions. And we're just not seeing enough people become permanent after probation, which is the way the system was set up and worked effectively for decades. And uh, in uh, accord with that, of course, your, your ability um, to become permanent is, is something that's getting more and more common in general industry by legislation as well from the, the federal government in particular, Matt. So again, this is a, a situation quite often where the public sector is lagging behind the private sector and what they're expected and, and indeed uh, made to do in terms of reducing casualisation. Oh, that's right. And given that the salary gap may exist for many people who are working as lecturers, uh, offering permanency as an entitlement seems to me to be quite an obvious thing to do. Our EBA is not just about attract or retaining, it's about both attracting and retaining. And if we can't do both, then we won't have a lecturer workforce to meet the needs of the fee, free for fee uh, service and other federal government initiatives. So it's really quite critical that we look at all of the attraction and retention measures, including the housing subsidy or, as we've now got it into this uh, very ambitious EBA 23 logger claims, free housing for those people who are working in those regional areas in TAFE as well as for schools. And, uh, of course, the, the other aspect, once you're in as a permanent employee, you don't necessarily want to stay in that same position um, forever. You, you want that ability to move up the ladder if, if you so choose. Um, so what's the story in the, in the log for talking about progression and, and leadership and, and how people can improve their own um, prospects? Well, we're very excited in the last agreement to get a new classification, the Advanced Industry Lecture Classification, and uh, most of the colleges have finished those selection processes. However, we only were allocated a certain number of FTE across the state, and it would be really good to see an increase in that FTE because we have... uh, extraordinary talent out there and the work that our lecturers do in connecting with industry and working closely with industry and ensuring that their teaching materials are are really up to date is is huge and uh, those AIL classifications uh, really need to be uh, expanded. In addition to that, we do have, uh, on top of the general workload issue for our members, but we do have workload issues for our leadership positions, uh, including the head of programs positions, and that needs to be looked at. And our leadership positions don't have increments. Uh, Going back in time, they did, but as we've made changes to the general uh, wage structure, those uh, those additional increments have been lost. So we're going to be pushing hard to get those uh, increments back in place for our leadership positions, which hopefully will keep Uh, our most uh, talented and uh, experienced lecturers uh, staying at TAFE uh, and helping the new generation of TAFE lecturers. And right across the board, the message appears to be we need to retain the existing ones, the good ones, and and, uh, make sure they're happy as well as attracting new new lecturers to TAFE. Uh, My name's Bob Figg. You're listening to Western Teacher Live, the SSTUWA podcast. This is part one of two. Uh, talking about the TAFE log of claims. Uh, So we'll uh, be coming right back to you after a break and you'll be able to view the uh, second uh, stint or the second episode of our TAFE focus on Western Teacher Live. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Are you aware of your SSTWA member benefits? We've got you covered on a range of member benefits from entertainment to insurance and legal. 
check out our Benefits Hub via sstuwa.org.au slash benefits.